Hi everybody and welcome back to this week's edition of B2B Nav. Um, this is a bit of a special edition this week and we're going to be touching on the uh, very topical subject of mental health. So for those that are unaware, this week is Mental Health Awareness Week um, and the theme, if you can call it that behind it, is, is kindness. So um, I guess I always like to give a bit of background and context of why we pick this as a subject. Um, you'll look at more faces than normal on this week's podcast. So we've got uh, the classics, as I'll call them now, John and Ollie. Um, we're joined by Sam, who you've met before, and Sophie, who's one of the other team members here at BDB. Um, so it's something that we've been trying to embrace more as an employer, understand better, um, and uh, provide more support, services, and context for our team members. And we can come on to some of the things, specific things we've been doing of late. Um, but I guess... To put it out there straight off the bat, mental health awareness, mental health awareness week. What does it mean to everybody? Does it mean anything? Does it have any impact on you? Go. And I'm going to go go like that this week and just go for chaos. Who's going it brings first? awareness to it, doesn't it? Which I think yeah. is always a positive point. Um, me personally, I don't really think it has a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's nice for those that do suffer with it. Do you think yeah. do you think it loses any of its impact because every week is a week of something at the moment? If it, oh sorry, that's the way it feels to me, and I think that's the impact of social media as well that's kind of come into the mix. But you know, th- th- there's a day or a week or a something all the time. And does it does it lose its impetus by falling in with that? Do you think? I don't know if it loses its impetus, but I think what's interesting is given that we're all in lockdown. Yeah, I think it's much more prevalent. I think mm-hmm. people are a lot more aware of it. I mean, obviously the kind of the moves that we made at BDB having mm-hmm. like kind of really focusing on it, but it kind of does feel that everyone's a little bit more conscious of it, shall I say, yeah. and kind of views it a bit more charitably. I think, I think. that seems to be the, the starting point for it more than anything, doesn't it? In terms of making it more acceptable just to speak about it. And that's yeah. kind of some of the sessions that we've covered in the, in the training that we've done. I mean, Sam, for somebody like yourself, when, you're relatively new to a team and obviously from a, a different generation that I'm incredibly jealous of. Um, but uh, for you, if your employer, so BDB says, right, we're going to do mental health awareness kind of sessions and coaching on a Monday morning for an hour or whatever. Do you think, great, I'll be honest, by the way, do you think, oh, great, that's really supportive? Or do you think, oh, Christ, what are we're discussing here? Or what's your personal take on it? I think at first... Um you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. So I sort of thought, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. And um, I didn't really expect much from it. And I, mm-hmm. I think, so these sort of hour long sessions we've been doing first coming into it, it was really bizarre because you're there with work colleagues. So people that you feel almost feel like you shouldn't speak about this stuff with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're then, you know, people are engaging with the chat. It's not just a, a lecture or a, a seminar on mental health. It's a, back and forth conversation between the whole team and the people from safe space yeah um but I, I think it was it was almost nice to like break that barrier down and then you know for people to be able to talk about it feel a bit more free to talk about it and you saw after the initial awkwardness barrier that people started to support each other and communicate about it so i, I guess it breaks that stigma which is, is quite nice yeah and i think that's one of the main points i guess i'll flip to you ollie but in the sense of Obviously, you've been with BDB a lot longer, but the, the sessions we've been doing kind of kicked off around health is health, wasn't it? In the sense of more um, your physical health and your mental health, arguably are one and the same, and everybody has both. Um, 
how have you found the sessions so far as a more like a more experienced team member? Do you think they've been a benefit, a value, or? I think it's been I th- from what I've seen of everybody else. I think people overall are finding it really beneficial. I think echoing Sam's point, you know, seeing the the way everybody's engaging in the chat during the session <clears throat> just shows people are taking it seriously. Shows people are willing to say. Um, Hey, I'm I'm struggling at the minute, or I'm I'm okay, but I'm not amazing at the minute. So mm-hmm. that's really great to see people willing to engage from that point of view. Having their session, real life, it's not a case of I'm fine or I'm not fine. Spectrum in between, and, mm-hmm. and everybody's got mental health, and and depending on you know your current mood and the day and where it is, you know some days I'll I might feel a lot better anxious. Other days I'm absolutely fine, but obviously, you know, I don't, I wouldn't categorize myself as somebody that needs, you know, serious support. So it's great having that support and like along the way and seeing that everybody else is kind of in the same situation. Do you think, and this is an open question to anybody who's brave enough to tackle it, um, I'll put these questions out there because as an employer, um, this whole mental health space is relatively new. Um, and, and everybody's discussing it and it's prevalent and it's, it's, it's at the forefront of everybody's mind all the time. And I think we've had some feedback from the sessions and I would include myself in this feedback that you go to the session feeling good. You feel up for the week, it's a Monday morning, you feel fresh, you're ready to go maybe um, with lots of things on your list. And then you go through an hour long session talking about anxiety and feeling how you feel, whether you feel up, down and so on and so on. And I've left the session personally a couple of times questioning, am I okay? when I've started the week feeling absolutely fine. And I don't know, I don't really know how to convey that. I guess it's it's an honest honest observation, I guess, that Mm. by discussing mental health so much all the time, which I understand the purpose of to get it on the agenda and to make it acceptable to speak about, and I'll stop giving that caveat all the time, but are are we encouraging it too much? Are we at risk of that at the minute, do you think, in the world as an employer? I, guess I suppose mean, it depends. Go on, Ollie. You'd liken it to potentially along that analogy, having a, a kind of a scratch on your arm, and you kind of get on with your life and ignore it. But if you start talking about that scratch on your arm a lot, you're going to realise it hurts a lot more than you realise. Hmm. But should you realise? Is that a good or a bad thing that you realise that? I think that's what that's what it means. I think it's good. I mean, personally, I mean, I always, I would like to think that my mental health is, you know, robust and I'm feel reasonably okay about myself all the time. But what it does and has made me do is be more conscious of other people. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an irony of the fact that we've not seen each other for eight weeks yeah. yet. I think through these sessions and through actually facing it, and in some ways I do think it's facing it because it is one of those sort of ailments that people brush under the carpet because it's too complicated or difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. It helps you, or it certainly helps me personally gauge how people are feeling yeah gauge how to respond to them what you know how much to kind of lift their workload how much to give them to focus on work to kind of keep them kind of occupied yeah and it does i think the biggest revelation and it's one of those common sense things is actually mental health and physical health are completely different but exactly the same yeah. i think you've mentioned it before about potentially changing the way we phrase day, 
days like that sick, people sick have day, off, sick rather a health day than a sick day, and kind of been much more positive and more focused, and not making people feel guilty for being feeling on, low. Or on that, anxious. on that, because this is this is one of this is. I mean, because I I I've suggested these initiatives. I think we should change it. I think sick days are strange relatively strange term anyway these days yeah. but in the sense of so that kind of things we are looking to change and adapt as a business the concern as an employer and i've got to say it otherwise we're not being honest is by saying to somebody you can wake up one day and think today is not my day and i know other agencies that are calling it today's not my day day that, that's the day that, that, that as a sick day let's call it but for mental health that's reasons. a duvet day isn't it by all intents and purposes well i think it is but are you not encouraging people to wait to lose that? The difference between mental health and resilience, and I know they're linked, obviously, but there's days when I wake up and you're having a bad day and you're having a really crap, well, you've had a crap weekend, you've not enjoyed yourself and you're dreading the week ahead and you're packed full of meetings and you think, oh my God, this is going to be a tough week. And I'm going to say it, but you have to put your big boy pants on and get up out of bed and you have to go to work. Yeah. I would say yeah. that's resilience. I what don't do think people understand the difference between having a bad day and depression. I think that's the biggest mm. problem. That's what I was as, leading to, which is good. Yeah, as, okay. As someone who has suffered with depression in the past, yeah. don't have it now, but I, I have bad days and yeah. I don't sit there and think, oh God, I'm depressed because I know what depression feels like. Yeah. And there's a big, big difference between the two. But I think people that maybe suffer with having a lot of bad days but not depression, don't know the difference between the two. Well, I don't think That's I do. I don't think I do. That's what I'm trying to say, I guess, in a way. Of, I appreciate, I think as a business leader, you've got to appreciate you don't understand that. Mm. Do, do you think, so? like, I, I don't understand, I don't, and I think unless you've suffered with it, you can't understand No, it. you can't. It's a really hard thing to empathise with, but I think yeah. speaking about it more, being more aware of it, yeah. I hope would help people understand when they are having a bad day or are you know so, so you know are truly depressed or have got a real issue that they need to attend to and what and do you think on that what do you think on that sam because i guess on that point i always come to you and start calling your generation um but in the sense of you're all known as snowflakes flaky little things who panic and can't have no resilience so that's probably you know one of the main words that gets banded around about you know the the, the uh Gen Z is in a way of there's a real lack of resilience amongst you. Not saying I agree with that, but in the sense of, do you see that you wake up and have a bad day and think if I said, Oh, don't worry, you can just ring up and say today's not my day. And that's cool. That's perfectly acceptable to do that. Does that encourage your generation to put in it bluntly, take the piss? I think potentially that's that's Apple this week, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a potential there that people could abuse that system. And I think, People would have, if they were to abuse the system, they'd do it knowingly and say, oh, I don't feel great today. I can't be bothered with work. I think there's, it's, it's difficult to judge and to talk about because everyone deals with mental health differently and everyone balances it differently. Where, as, as Sophie was saying, some people have, you know, depression for weeks, some people have on and off days, and some people just have a bad day. And I think it's important to, you know, try and keep your head up and go to work. I think you need going to work to be an environment that you can go to also you know if you are having a bad day it's important to be able to go to work and have a bad day but still be able to do a job and you know yeah exactly so i think you need to create a space at work um and a sort of team mentality where if you're having a bad day you can talk about for five minutes and then you can do your work and you're not feeling the the weight of that you know that bad well, I, think, day. I, I think that's that's 
really relevant because I think that's one of the pieces of advice that I got all the way through my career coming up through the ranks was leave your personal problems at the door. Like, and it's just such a change and such a switch generation. That's generational, though, isn't it? Yeah, but it was. I mean, you must have heard that over the years, John, in the sense oh, yeah. of like, well, well, work, work's work, one. leave your problems at the door, you come to work and you deliver your work. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, you bring all your baggage with you. And it, this is honestly how it feels as an employee. Bring it with you and that's totally acceptable. And we'll spend as much time as you need embracing that and talking through that. And almost, as an employee, you feel almost like a counsellor. Yeah. And I am not qualified to be a counsellor. But don't so. think there's an opportunity there. And I suppose you're right. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you've got to go mm. through that pain of allowing people the ability to kind of acknowledge it's a, it's a not-for-me day, day or whatever. But then as an employer, you can kind of then identify where people have got real problems that perhaps were being hidden or covered and could be, you know, could get mm. to a catastrophic or terminal point of view. Yeah. Whereas actually you can then kind of guide them because a, a hypothetical thing might be, okay, someone's feeling low, someone's feeling depressed. They're not performing. The immediate instinctive reaction is to go, right, this is all going horribly wrong. Do we put that person on a pip? Do we yep. put them through some sort of disciplinary process? But mm -hmm. actually, if we, you've then had that preamble of, okay, there's been a few days there where they've just not been feeling it and yep. they've not come in and we're opening up, we've talked about it. We can actually now address it and adapt. Yeah, and I'm not saying bend around to like change someone's role completely, but you can adapt it to kind of help them through that and get the most out of them productivity wise how how comfortable do people feel here within the group or how comfortable do you think people are speaking openly about the way they feel particularly around mental health and i'm not i don't mean just a bdb here but generally because i guess to give context to the question there's an awful lot of expense that comes with this so in the sense of as an employer again with my employer's hat on and that's that's what i'm going to keep on today you you Somebody, somebody doesn't want to speak to you as an owner-manager, they want a HR contact. But the HR contact is somebody they work with, but they don't want to speak to that HR contact. Then they want now an external mental health support yeah. type line. So, you know, through our benefit system, we have a line they can ring, but these are anonymous people. Nobody's ever used it to my knowledge in work. I don't know if that's, you know, that might not be 100% correct. But so that now we've engaged with external trainers, which is another expense to the business. And if that expense is offset by people taking more days off because it's acceptable to take days off, where does that, where does that kind of stop, I guess, is the question. I think there's a, there's a balance, though, between the, the if, if someone is, um, if we compare it to physical health again, if mm -hmm. someone's playing a sport and they, they're running with an injury and they don't tell people, mm -hmm. their sort of efficiency and productivity is going to be worse than it was. And people are going to be questioning that and saying, well, you know, why, why aren't they performing? Um, and I think it's the same with mental health. Uh, yeah. If you're struggling with something, the I guess it, it does become expensive, but you then have that ability to deal with that and make sure that someone's not spending, you know, a month working at half capacity because they're just like, they just can't get through the day and they're really struggling. Um, but yeah, I think there is a balance of investing money to give that sort of space to talk about their problems and things like that. But it must be difficult as an employer because, as you were saying, you're not qualified to deliver that counselling or know what to ask people. You know, get them to to ask to others. So I, I think I think, I think that balance it in that of work as well. Yeah, and I think that I think is the from the employer perspective again. 
you're desperate to support your team, like genuinely want to support the team and give them the best advice and support network you can and make it an open and free uh, an environment. But, but it is a minefield trying to get it right and yeah. trying, to, trying to kind of pick your way through it, I guess. Um, One point I'd say, speaking for ourselves at least, is mm. that, and I know there's many examples of this, I think it's just best to, to treat people like responsible adults that we are. Um, and I know there's always going to be exceptions to this, and I think that's kind of where we jump when we start thinking about this. Um, not using Sam as an example, but I think if you just think <laughs> about like 18, 19 year old that's you know recently joined a company, and you start thinking about things like this, and you start thinking like, well, what's to stop them just saying Monday morning hungover, can't be bothered? Doing it. But you can spot trends like that, can't you? Yeah, yeah you, can have, you, can have, you can eventually, can't you? But I think that's one of the. I get what you. I, I get what you're saying, but I think I think what treat people like adults, you know, like human beings, responsibly and all that kind of thing. It is cool when you're a business of a certain size. I would, you know, in the sense of we're sub 50 people, therefore we can pretty tightly, not control, but monitor everybody of 50 people. You know, when you've got 50,000 employees, how do you still have that level of kind of trust autonomy? But is that, is that where that kind of repositioning mental health away from it being something that's not real to a physical illness you then judge it in the same way don't you so mm. i know for example when when we look back on a year we'll look at sick days yeah you know, as we're still calling them sick days and you'll see trends in them and you'll identify right that person is definitely not well because mm. of the pattern or that person appears to be very ill on fridays quite For a lot. friday morning is that me <laughs> Why, yeah. why, so then you start to play it back through and go, okay, okay. And then you, you know, you might do whatever you might do in terms of Intel through Facebook, through social media and go, oh, you're out every Thursday night and yet mm. you're being taken a sick day on Friday. That's not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, it, add to that oh. really is that we already do trust people with sick days. Really. Yeah. So what's the difference with mental health? I think is the key thing there. And we're not asking people to, to the best of my knowledge, bring in doctor's notes, or maybe we do if it's a certain you know length of time. And a, a probably bigger one is we already trust people with unlimited holidays. Yeah. Uh, which is you know something that I think, again, if you look at it on paper, that you think would be massively abusable. But as far as I've seen, it's not really been abused by anybody so far. And I'm sure there might be some exceptions. No, and that's, and that's honestly why you feel relatively comfortable as, a, as BDBs. Uh, leadership of kind of introducing health days and calling it health days because i think we have got the team and the culture of people that won't ultimately take advantage of it and take advantage it's wrong we're trying not to say the swear word again but um and correct me on that unlimited holidays point though didn't that idea come from netflix which is obviously a huge yeah. company huge volume that can't necessarily manage uh, you know people. Well, it's a huge company but it's not necessarily a huge amount of employees it's just all based around the freedom and autonomy, freedom and responsibility, freedom and autonomy. So in the sense of, I get the freedom and responsibility point is more around giving people the freedom and autonomy that they crave, but asking them to do things responsibly. And you can that's pick good. up, and if you're, not, if you're not acting responsibly, you've picked up on it. And that's what we've always said. So yeah. yes, it is unlimited holidays, but if you take 300 days off in the year, we're probably gonna have a word with you about it. Yes. But it's a quid pro quo, isn't it? That flexibility and that trust. Yeah. I remember when, when you looked at adapting the expenses policy from mm. a, shall we say, fairly draconian set of rules mm. to act in the best interest of BDB, mm -hmm. the abuse suddenly goes out of the window because people are thinking about it in a positive way rather than a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think I, th- I think that's all you can do as the employer around mental health. I mean, were you self-employed when you were struggling, Soph? Yes. Yeah, I worked at home on my own. That must have been even more isolating, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, in terms of that difference between, and you don't have to open up like this because I'm probably putting you on the spot too much, but in the sense of <laughs> that difference between resilience, as you say, like having a bad day and knowing you just need to get up and get on with it, and then um, true depression. Because I think mm-hmm. that is the biggest disconnect from, for anybody that's not suffered with it. Because you do just think, well, let's get out of bed and get on with it. Like, what's wrong yeah. with you? Can you try and describe that? Or is it impossible to? And you don't have to, by the way. But... Depression, how it feels? Yeah. Um, God. I mean, there was days where I got in the shower and I would sit on the floor crying because I couldn't physically get up and go and get ready. Right. Um, the prospect of leaving the house made me have a panic attack. I would have like a tight feeling in my chest. Um, there was days where I couldn't shower, physically couldn't do it, physically couldn't get out of bed. I was so tired, so lethargic. Um, Is that more anxiety based for yourself? Uh, it was a bit of both. It was right. both. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. it, it's, it's very different to having a bad day. Having a bad day is one day. Mm-hmm. Depression is weeks and months. Like and cumulative effect of things building, building, building. Yeah. I also guess yeah. for the, men- the mental health, physical health side, the the comparison's the same, really, isn't it? I guess just breaking it down, thinking about it on the spot here in the sense of you get some people who'll take a day off because they've got a cough. As I'll put it for the meantime. Well, now, now, that's <laughs> oh, that's me. I'm off tomorrow. Days, I've got, I'm coughing. And you get other people who come into work probably when, when they definitely shouldn't be in work who are absolutely dying on the feet, which equally yeah. isn't, isn't encourageable either. But I suppose that's just the two ends of the spectrum of the resilience argument, isn't it? Yeah, but that's also old. So, like... The old mentality was you have to be in the office to work. Therefore, you did get that huge extreme, didn't you, of someone's got a cough, they're not in the office. But do you not think that that also comes into paid sick days? In the sense of paid sick days are a lot more common these days, I would say, unless you work in maybe manufacturing or some kind of factory environment. But But most people get paid, so it's damn sight easy to go, I'm taking tomorrow off, because I know I'll get it paid. Um, But then I think the quid pro quo with the trust and the kind of faith that the business shows in the employees is you vet, you get a, that's a lot rarer mm-hmm. and you find people who are you know whether they're dying on the feet that might be a bit extreme you know if they've got no reason to be in work but we'll work from home because we've enabled it and then they know that the quid pro quo is well i can take a few days off yeah here or there and it, you know i can have an extra day off back there and kind of add it to my weekend or whatever and it kind of works well because you get you maintain the productivity and people are more likely to kind of feel engendered to do that. I think one of the big differences about us, I don't know if this really applies to every other company, but um, I think everybody's got a lot of personal responsibility Mm in terms of things that they need to get done. So I think from that point of view, people know that the only people that are cheating, if they were to exploit a system themselves really, because they'll have to catch up um, in some... I think that's really interesting what you're saying there, Ollie, about personal responsibility, because that's different to a massive workload. That's actually owning it and being kind of feeling that you are not on the hook, but you, you know, you are in control of that pocket of work is different to, I don't know, just having like an endless stream of work being thrown on you with no kind of responsibility for it. Yeah. And that's not to say that when people need help, they don't get help. So I've been sat at home with a fever and that work still needs to get done. So you obviously have to offload it to somebody else, but it's my responsibility to make sure I know that's being picked up by somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess from an employer perspective, because assuming there's some employers listening to this and certainly employees from, from other um, walks of life, what else could we be doing as an employer, do you think, to make it more acceptable to discuss mental health? Have you seen anything at other, other places, other companies, other examples that you think, oh, they're, they're getting it right or anything like that? I think it's just important to be able to come into office, uh, come into the office and have the culture of not being scrutinised. If, if you are just having a bad day, um, yeah. being able to come in and say to someone, you know, I'm not feeling it today. And, and they might say, oh, let's, let's grab a coffee. And then, you know, yeah. you have that, that culture of, I guess, just having genuine people, you know, it's, and, and it stems down from leadership that if you come into the office with a positive attitude that reflects on others and you can sort of hope that you can you know make a, a difference with that person where maybe they're on a bad day and they're excited to come into the office because you know yeah. I'm struggling with things at home and go into the office and get my head down and um you know so I think for me it's all about office atmosphere and the the, the sort of atmosphere you get there of can you talk openly or you know do you have to just sit and deal with your own problems on your own and let them build and mm-hmm. snowball yeah okay I think the good thing about safe space as well though is it's actually giving people coping mechanisms to, mm-hmm. to if they've got anxiety to try and deal with that or depression to try and deal with it mm-hmm. which i think is important i don't think that's kind of taught to people as, as kids as they're growing up i don't i think it's becoming more and more prevalent in younger generations depression and anxiety and i don't think they're taught how to deal with it yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. I, I, the, 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 the the real positive points out of the safe space sessions that we've had, <clears throat> and in no way are we sponsored by them, by the way. But um, you know, I think they've I think they've been worthwhile so far. Some more than others, some more, and that might be a personal thing, maybe of where you're at yourself. But um, I think that because they have the true external experts on the call as well, it has more gravitas with me than yeah. it just being like a business coach or somebody who clearly has never had depression. And even if somebody has had it, but they're not. you know somebody who um is a specialist in that area Um, and the fact they've flexed in different specialists every week dependent on the topic that we're kind of covering for me that's been really interesting to hear like a person who suffered with it but then also the the the, i don't know the the science behind it maybe i think that's important isn't it that connection of making it not just because it isn't necessarily just mental health it's physiological it's kind Mm -hmm. of everything's kind of interconnected yeah i think that's been a real eye opener for me personally in terms of you know getting away from that steal with it leave you pack up your troubles and leave them at the door and get on with it to where, more of I think where, that, sorry go on go on Ollie on that point with the packing up the troubles to think it comes back to a point we were talking about earlier in the podcast about a, a younger generation is less resilient than older generations I think what we have to remember with that is a massive technological shift that's happened in the last particularly 20 years or so in terms of the fact that you know if you went back to the 70s i'm pretty sure if you left your office that was it for the night yeah yeah yeah. but now you've we're constantly surrounded by phones constantly surrounded by emails we can work from home we can work from the office we can work from the pub wherever it is we might be which means that we're basically always on and i'd say that kind of works both ways always on home life and always on work life like if you've got a problem currently happening at home whether that's an argument with your partner a problem with family whatever it might be that's going to be intruding in your work life because you're going to be getting messages throughout the day and vice versa. Hmm. And while, while we're on that, because two more points before we wrap up, what I think we've, we've definitely touched on it before in previous podcasts, but the impact of social media. So as well as being always on, which I totally agree with being always connected. I love it. Um, 
maybe I'm weird, but I, I personally love always being connected because you don't like being cut off from, <laughs> from the business. But um, flip side of that being the social media aspect of things and this aspirational false reality it creates for people who have had a really tough day and they get home at six o'clock, then they've got to put the kids to bed, do homework. And then at eight o'clock you go online and you see people on yachts, supercars, uh, supermodels, yeah looking great, tanned, holidaying all the time, taking 4,000 photos to get that one shot that they use. I, is that contributing to this? Or do we think that's just a, another factor? You know? I, th- I think it must be. I mean, I've got an 11-year-old daughter, and I know it affects her. Mm. She's 11. And yeah. you know, I tightly monitor what she can and can't get on, get hold of on the internet. But you know, yeah. she's fully aware of the Kardashians, of... Mm. You know, all this kind of rich kids of Instagram stuff, Real Housewives of Cheshire, all that kind of jazz. And mm-hmm. they, you do see, even even at their age, you see them making comparisons. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard because suddenly you're going, well, my life's not that great. I'm just doing this. And actually, yeah. I remember when I started and this, you know, in the infancy of the internet and to this day, it's like, oh, well, gosh, I'm, I'm working in advertising. This is the best job anyone could have ever given me. This is mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. But now people always want that little bit more. Or don't think, well, they're doing that. Why can't I do that? And how do I do that? And never actually focusing on the moment of, well, actually what you're doing is really good. You've got a great job, a great career, a great team. Don't kind of chase false dreams. Yeah. What do you you think think about that, Soph? I think when you're feeling down or if you're depressed, I think you tend to forget that it's a false reality. Mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook is not real. And I think when you're down and you, you kind of, thinking woe is me because you do as someone that's been through it, that is the reality that you look at people that are having fun and think why can't that be me and mm-hmm. you forget yeah. that like you say you take 10,000 photographs to get that one good one yeah yeah or there's it's 30 people in front of them kind of yeah yeah, and... yeah. well then i, I think, think it's it, be, it, it struck home for me more than anything when we went to santorini last year and, and they, they had some kind of a post that it was the most Instagram spot in the world or something, whether that's true or not, I've no idea, near where the hotel we were staying. Um, and, it's, and it was beautiful. Like it was, you, you struggle to take a bad photo, it looked so good. But then in the sense of all the number of people that were there, purely Instagramming, and I watched girls painstaking, painstakingly take, and it must have been thousands, I'm not exaggerating, either bursts of photos for about an hour correcting it to get the one hair, doing this doing this and i thought christ almighty you can't take a bad photo you're like you, you couldn't well, then, it was beautiful it was stunning but to it's, do, it's not sorry go on Matt. no 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 i was just going to say in terms of to sam i was going to flip it to you because i guess the young the younger gen zers of the world who are you know social media um savvy d- does that impact on you as well in the sense of you know are you reading quotes on instagram and looking at supercars and thinking hey that's that's where I want to be, or you know, I don't know. What. I think, I think for me, it's it's very important that you look internally rather than externally for Deep. comparisons. I think people spend a lot of time comparing themselves to others, and you know, you can sit in and take a photo of of someone with everything you want and go, oh wow, I wish I had their life. Mm-hmm. In reality, they have down days. You know, there's things that, that they've done that you wouldn't have wanted to do, and I think it's more important to look at yourself and think, well. You know, if if I am unhappy, how can I how can I deal with this? Is it that, you know, my my career is not right for me? Is it that I need to get out and enjoy you know wildlife more or this or whatever yeah, makes yeah. You happy? But I think the issue is that it's much easier to sit, pick up your phone, go on Instagram and say, 
oh Christ, like I, I want everything that's that's here and I'm not getting any of it, than to sit down and take the time to be introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it definitely impacts people. I know loads of people my age that, you know, are looking at something and saying, why can't I look like that? And you, you have to say to them, look, it's, it's been Photoshopped twice. It's, you know, had this applied to it, it's had this <laughs> yeah. applied to it. You can't look like that. It's impossible. That, that's the changed nature, isn't it, of escapism? Because like, I guess when I was a kid and probably Matt as well and Ollie mm-hmm. to a degree, it's like escapism for me was going to the cinema, was watching a film, was doing mm-hmm. something like that that was completely disconnected from any of my day-to-day escapism for i guess people of your generation sam is going on that and you're looking at other people doing the same doing stuff yeah you know and it's too comparative whereas for us it was kind of like a film you know well that's just switch off real world gone it's i think one of the most one of the most powerful one of the most powerful things i heard and i can't recall who said it or maybe several people have said it and that's why it's struck a chord with me is that your stream or the people you follow across your social media platform is the equivalent of the company you keep. So in real life, the company you keep, if you had two hours spare and you chose to do a social activity and go for a drink, I'll use the example of with some people, they're the company you keep. And if you sit on your sofa for two hours, scrolling, 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 that's the company you keep. So you've got a choice to make. Do you want to educate, learn, grow, get better informed, um, or do you want to follow Kardashians, reality stars, uh, Love Island stars, Zedless Big Brother stars, who are all creating that false reality, I guess, because um, I'm sure none of them want to be stood there brushing the teeth with charcoal toothpaste, but they do it because that's, that's what you should do. And then you see all the young kids doing it and you're thinking, what, what are you doing? So I just think that, that argument of if you, if you have your library and your stream, the equivalent of the company you keep, and question whether you, when you see a post, whether that's the type of company you want, that makes you, that makes you question every single person and every single post, I think. And I would encourage you to delete and clear it out or start afresh, different way of looking at it. Unfollow everyone and start again and build it up, build it up from scratch. Okay. Um, so mental health, anything else anybody else wants to add on this, on this hot topic? I think it's, it's important to say that it is difficult to talk about and there's no real right way to talk about it. Like even as, saying here we've obviously spoken about opinion a lot um and i think all our opinions are correct but it's so difficult to give everyone a comprehensive rundown of you know of, of mental health um but i, I think it's I just think important em- em- empathy is probably happens. the biggest point isn't it empathy yeah. is probably the biggest point so like you know walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and how all the old sayings go but you know I'm sure my opinion on today's podcast has come across a bit obtuse, but it's more the employer's angle is what I'm trying to, what yeah. I'm trying to create. Um, for me, for me as the employer, what it's been good doing is getting people speaking about it more openly across the team. I think it's been really encouraging the fact that we're on here podcasting about it today, but also in the safe space sessions, I think they've been really useful. Um, and I think all you can do as an employer is put the platform out there and create a culture where it's acceptable to speak about it alongside infrastructure where the support's there if people need it or want to use it and that would be my wrap-up summary of what you can do because I don't I think beyond that you need to leave it to the experts and kind of know when to pass pass the pass across yeah. when, when, when it gets too serious for you to be handling or when you're out your depth and there's nothing wrong with saying that as an employer either <laughs> um Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for um, thanks for being thanks with us this week. Um, feel free to check out um, the knowledge, b2bknowledge.com.
um, our online ungated content hub to help our clients, prospects and contacts navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Um, and on that note, we will see you next week. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.